All right, we're recording. It's oh, perhaps it's are? you. Yep, I just went ahead and did it. <laughs> are we uh their favorite Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast? I mean, probably. It's unofficial, though. We'd better be. How many? Okay, when was the last time you did a, a count of how many Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcasts are out? There's got to be like so many more now, right? I feel like a bunch of people quit, though. Oh, you're right. It just I don't. Out. <laughs> I don't. I honestly, I don't know. I haven't looked in years. For a while, it was like there was a new one popping up every week. <laughs> I think uh, the grind. <laughs> Where's people? <laughs> they go. Wow, there's a lot of these episodes. I don't know what we were thinking, and then I don't. Yeah. But maybe we think that every day. But then somehow we still we still keep doing it. I don't know what's wrong with us. But... We just love our five listeners. Oh, that's you're our right. problem. That's why. Imagine if we started this, but we weren't sure anybody was really. We would just be like, "Okay, never mind." Oh yeah, no, one hundred percent. That's embarrassing. We'd be like, "That's that embarrassing." Let's never admit we did that. <laughs> podcast? I don't know what that is. What's a podcast? What's a podcast? A pod? I don't. What? Cast it. I, Doesn't even make any sense. Is it like fishing? <laughs> I don't. What? But yes, we are. Perhaps it's you. Your favorite unsolved mysteries rewatch podcast dedicated to bd wong of course yep um only i only welcome friends to this episode enemies whatever hi i guess but (laughs) you're not welcome yeah friends gather around thank you thank you for all your support we appreciate your downloads your messages your whatever yes i was actually going to start off by reading uh email oh great this is from Indrid, who refers to herself. Indrid as... Cold. Just oh kidding. I know. I, I know who this is. <laughs> this person has been listening oh for a while. Oh my god. Uh, okay. Listener number four, apparently. Yeah. Says Mothman is real, no question. <laughs> oh yeah. But as a West Virginian, I gotta tell you, people out in the mountains are ex- people out in the mountains are extremely bored and will make up just about anything. <laughs> My uncle used to tell me about how if you parked your car in the specific spot, the ghost of Civil War soldiers would drag your car to the top of the hill thinking it was a cannon. If you go to this place (laughs) with a level, it's actually just an optical illusion and the hill actually slopes gently uphill. Oh, Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm pretty sure he knew that, but liked spooking us. Well, that's a very yeah. uncle thing to do. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I I would do that myself. It should be noted that we love a good prank in West Virginia. If my cousins heard there was a tale of a red-eyed monster in the mountains, we'd be out there with red flashlights every night scaring people. <laughs> All that said, just because West Virginians are celebrated confabulators... Oh, what a word. And pranksters doesn't mean Mothman isn't real. I mean, yeah, good point. That's fair. Good point. Um, I guess I hadn't really thought a lot about pranks. Interesting. What's funny about that is, same. Um, And I think it's because Minnesotans hate a prank. (laughs) It's like the opposite. Like, you don't... Yeah, no, that's like... (laughs) It couldn't be any like farther from a Minnesotan's mind is maybe I'll play a prank. Uh, maybe I'll scare people half to death 
and like change their whole lives because they think they saw moth. Yeah. No, that's not. I mean, this going into the woods with red flashlights and pretending there's a creature from another dimension here to warn you about failing infrastructure is is not very neighborly. And therefore, (laughs) it's not very much in the Minnesota mindset where I really think people would be like, but why? (laughs) Why would you do that? I feel like this state has a very almost like Girl Scout ethos, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it does. I can't really explain why it does, but it does. Which that just wouldn't really happen. I don't know. Um, I definitely think people saw something in West Virginia. I, I guess for the story to start, I understand if they were copycat pranks, but then what started it, though? Mm-hmm. Well, that bridge. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. <laughs> and the bridge really did collapse. Can't deny that. Of course, did that have anything to do with the interdimensional being? I mean, I say yes, but um, I understand that may be hard to swallow. <laughs> <laughs> no, it makes perfect sense. Also... Bigfoot is an interdimensional being that can shapeshift into a moth. Yeah, we've learned so much doing this podcast. It's been a really educational experience. All those Unsolved Mysteries Rewatch podcasts that quit after three episodes are really missing out. <laughs> They'll never know. They'll what never we know. <laughs> yeah. They'll never see what we've seen. <laughs> oh, God. No wonder they quit. <laughs> Smart. Good move. Uh, did you have any other updates? I really... I was curious where we're at with that protection spell. I noticed that someone in our Facebook oh, group yeah. offered to... A real witch offered to cast a pres- protection spell. Um, okay. So listener Amelia is a witch and offered to cast the protection spell for us. She was getting advice from other witches about, about the best way for people to be able to interact with it. That maybe we would all light a candle at the same time or, you know, something like that. So... Okay. Uh, I stay don't. Tuned. Have, yeah, stay tuned for the gender queer protection spell offered by perhaps it's you. <laughs> that is forthcoming. Oh, great, great. So thank you, it, Amelia, and yeah. your witch associates. Yes, that is um, on the horizon of things great. happening with this great. podcast. <laughs> uh, amazing, completely amazing. Love it so much. Um, yeah, the witch district has like never been less witchy. God damn. So many of those places have closed and uh the small witch corner store didn't survive COVID. It did, but it's smaller. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, it had like expanded just before COVID. Guess mm. what? Not great timing. So yeah, it's it's littler now. It's not gonna have classes anymore. Kind of a bummer. Dang. I know. Oh no, hang in there, witches. Hang in there. It's been a hard time for us all. <laughs> it has. God, I don't know. Any other updates? Not for me. Yeah, no, nothing. My update is I'm going to drink my iced coffee. <laughs> Try and stay away. <laughs> yeah, with. how are you liking your cold brew thing? Love it. Love it. I Someone in our Facebook group also in our Facebook group agreed with me they also have the cold brew pitcher they seconded my recommendation and also they recommended like a milk frother great idea i don't mm. i'm not really a milk person I, I drink black coffee but uh i mean I, I, if you're gonna drink milk it might as well be frothy milk i guess uh bring so, it to that next level yeah. of yeah the, the home coffee experience indulge is what i'm saying you need to in, indulge yourself every day and uh Right now, for me, it's iced coffee because I need the caffeine, and it's hot. 
I once saw, I have been obsessed with this comment I saw on Twitter years ago, and I have yet to do this, but people were talking about the most luxurious things that they do for themselves, and someone Ooh. said that they keep frozen scone dough in the freezer, and then every morning bake themselves one fresh scone. <laughs> I w- would never do this, but that sounds Amazing. I mean, that's where I'm at also, where I'm all I always think of it like, wow, that's such a good idea. And then One I go fresh scone. And then do I they go, make wow. the scone dough from scratch or do they yeah. buy it? Yeah. Wow. I, where, I hope that person is doing well. They really got got it figured out. I'm not going to ever do that. No, but. Same, but it's <laughs> such a good idea. So I'll pass that along in case someone has more energy. than You me could really. Do, I mean, it doesn't have to be a scone, though. You could do like you could make yourself one cookie every day yeah absolutely well really two one cookie's not enough three i mean (laughs) exactly which honestly you could get those the frozen sweet martha's cookie cookie dough and just put a Mm. couple of them in the oven yeah every day and just have yourself a gooey sweet martha's or three or four every day yeah you could probably put that in your toaster oven yeah not to heat up the whole oven amazing right. such a good idea just have a, your cookie oven this is my dedicated cookie oven <laughs> yes i love I got hot. So i have been eating hot fudge sundaes every day i was at the grocery store and i was like why don't i ever get this hot fudge sunday chocolate you're like i'm an adult i can eat this whenever yeah. i want yeah. yeah yeah and i did and it's been great really i'm into cold treats right now because it's hot but yeah yeah I have been eating a ton of these Korean pudding popsicles that are like flan flavored. Oh, did did I have one of those at your house once? Probably. They're I so remember good. it being very tasty. So good. Really hits the spot. Everybody's like, "What? Okay, thanks." This is <laughs> Liz and Samantha just talk about the the treats we want to eat. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's just an extension <laughs> of snack time. We don't have any snacks to actually eat. We'll just. Well, Mac bought these Hershey's Kisses that are like strawberry ice cream, but they're just sitting in the kitchen tempting me, but you're not here. So Mm -hmm. too bad for snack time. Okay, we we can just get started. We're on season seven, episode 11, and I feel like I watched this a few days ago and now don't remember anything, which is how podcasting works. Um. (laughs) But I have a missing persons to start us off with. And this case is wild. Oh, right. I was trying to remember what our first mystery was because I also watched this a couple days ago. And you're right. This first mystery is crazy. Wild. This should be like a movie. Where is my Netflix doc just about this case? Because there's a lot. Speaking of Netflix, where's our new episodes of Unsolved Mysteries, Netflix? Wasn't that supposed to happen? Is that happening this month? Maybe I thought it was going to be this summer. I thought it was July, but, but well, I mean, it's still July, so I guess it could still happen. But usually, we hear about it. Yeah, all right. I'm gonna look this up. This seems Get like your something. Killer Netflix. This seems like something we should know. <laughs> Unsolved mysteries, Netflix. When is this coming? My Google just says summer 2022. Well, that is right now, you bitches. <laughs> But this is old. I'm not finding anything like recent because yeah. this was from September 2021 saying summer 2022. So. Okay, this is from May and it said that new episodes would be de- debuting this year. Okay, I think there's just not a date yet. 
How dare they? I know, it's super rude. Okay, anyway, back to this missing person case. This is in 1994 in San Marino, California. It opens with workers digging in a backyard to install an in-down pool where they make a grim discovery. A human skeleton is found inside three plastic bags and one fiberglass box. If I ever dig a pool, which I'm never going to do, but if I ever do, I'm just assuming I'm going to find a skeleton, right? <laughs> I don't think that's very common. We don't it live in... like it is, but maybe that's just because of the media we consume. <laughs> I was going to say, we don't live in England. Um, <laughs> okay, fair. But... Okay, the total side note. I watched last night in Soho over the weekend, which was like good, not great, whatever. But um, there's a part where uh this woman asks the landlady if someone's ever died in her room because all this freaky stuff is happening, and the woman's like, "Yeah, it's London. <laughs> Someone has died in every in room, every room. <laughs> ever. <laughs> like someone, like basically, like someone's died there. Someone's died there." <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. That's I don't know what that says about my sense of humor, but I was like, oh, I I'm listening. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I would. Oh God, I would love a pool. Does that make any sense in Minnesota? No, but I would love one. Okay. So anyway, uh, we have Detective Ronnie's mustache. I, I, do I remember what this looked like? No, but I I named it. That's enough, Ronnie. So I'm guessing it was a lot of mustache and I didn't like it. I don't know what it is about the name Detective Ronnie that I'm just not a fan of. And that's not fair to this man. But if someone introduces themselves to me as Detective Ronnie, I am turning around and walk. I'm like, I don't, not for me. Ronnie definitely has uh, some Jersey Shore connotations to me. Mm, maybe so, that's why. Maybe that's I was why. like, mm, I'm not sure I trust Detective Ronnie. Okay, but... now I have a really funny picture of this person in my head, which is just a mashup of like a 90s mu- guy with a 90s mustache and a Jersey Shore bro. The biggest meathead on Jersey Shore. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um. So don't remember what that mustache looks like, but... I was not a fan. It turns out that in 1985, two people lived in this house that had been reported missing. John and Linda Sohouse. They were a married couple in their late 20s. Was one the victim of foul play? Uh, Robert Stack, they found a fucking skeleton in three bags in a box. Like, yes. Guess <laughs> no one dies of natural causes and then that's how they end up. Okay, does Detective Ronnie at some point, though, say something along the lines of, well, we can't we can't prove what happened here, but the fact yes. that the head was in a bag gives us an idea. Well, yeah, no shit, Don't, Ronnie. Yes, that absolutely happened. Um, where he? Well, I think uh, maybe this is in my notes somewhere else, but from the skeleton, the clock, the cause of death was not clear. It's not like it. There was a bullet wound in the skull or something. So he was fine, just like, fine, well, but his we, head was in a bag. Well, we don't know. We don't know how he died, but we're leading towards foul play. It's like no shit. Thank you. <laughs> They, I think I could be a homicide detective, everyone. Okay. Um, at the time of their disappearance, they had been married for two years and still lived with John's mother, Dee Dee, who apparently had a substantial drinking problem. Another character in their lives was Christopher Chinchester, or Chichester, something like that. It's a thing. Robert's dad pronounced it Chichester, oh, okay. which I just is not a name. I don't know. I'll, also, I prefer your pronunciation of Chinchester. Chinchester. I added an N, which I. <laughs> didn't even write down um 
before anyone gets mad at me for mispronouncing this guy's name, it's a fake name, okay? And she probably <laughs> did. It's not a real name. He probably did just make it up. So, what was it? Chichester? You're Chichester. right. Chichester. Chichester. So, he lived on the guest house on this property, which, damn, what a life. Okay. Don't let someone live in your guest house. That is what I've learned from true crime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very the movie The Crush. No, mm. thank you. No. Okay. Um... So, John and Linda were looking forward to no longer living with John's mother, um, which I think was kind of a damper on their lives. John was a computer programmer, and Linda was an artist. Right before their disappearance, Linda told friends that John had gotten a new job with the government, and they were both needed in New York, and that she was not allowed to give specifics. So incredibly weird. Um, They were supposed to be gone for two weeks. But literally never returned. Linda had boarded her six cats. So many cats. So many cats. It's so expensive to board six cats. I know. That's exactly what I thought, too. I was like, damn, that is a penny. Because she paid for them two weeks in advance up front. She dropped off her six cats and was like, okay, I got to go to New York for this thing. I'll be back. However, after eight weeks, she had yet to return. And the owner knew something was seriously wrong. I feel like most people would not wait eight weeks after only being paid for two weeks. But no, this owner. Also, I think from based on the end, I think this, they continued to keep these cats for a while. Yeah, I'm sure they like love cats and they were like, you know, maybe you could get like one a home. But what are you going to do with fucking six of them? <laughs> I guess I don't know. She probably didn't want them to get put down. Yeah, yeah anyway. that's fair. So after eight weeks of having these cats and the, oh, <laughs> no one coming back, she tracked down Linda's sister, Kathy. Um, we hear from Kathy, and she says that if Linda had not planned on returning, she would have taken her pets, and she can't imagine her leaving her six cats behind. Like, obviously, if someone loves animals enough to have six cats, they're not just going to abandon them and then go start a new life without finding homes for them or, you know, whatever. Like, this is not how she would behave. Um, it's I, I don't know that Linda and Kathy are super close because Kathy didn't know that Linda hadn't come back until the kennel owner called her trying to track her down. And she was like, yeah. oh, she's not back from her trip yet. And that's when the first missing person report is filed um, because her sister hasn't heard from her and did think that she was only going to be gone in two weeks. Um, so she calls John's mom, Dee Dee, to find out what the hell's going on. And Dee Dee said that she wasn't supposed to talk about it because it was a secret mission. Okay, I'm trying to remember. Linda, you said Linda told people that they got a job with the government and were going on some sort of work trip? Yes. Okay, I didn't remember this. I thought Dee Dee was the first one to bring up this mission thing. But I didn't realize that Linda had said something about it. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting twist, particularly, or... I guess maybe that's not a twist. So it's an interesting part of the puzzle as we get further out because that means that at some point, Linda and John believed that. They, t like, Linda told her friends. At least Linda did. Yeah. And interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So Dee Dee's like, I can't tell you what's going on. They're on a secret mission. And Kathy is very frustrated because that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and also, the story seemed to vary day by day, depending on how much Dee Dee had been drinking. Also, she's an elderly woman. She's living with her son. I 
think she still she needed care. I don't know that she's like entirely with it. Um, after Kathy has filed this missing police report, missing persons report, the police didn't have much luck getting from info for from Dee Dee either. We see a reenactment where the cops go to talk to Dee Dee. And she tells them that she has a source, so she knows that they're fine, but she's not allowed to say anything about it because it's a secret. Guess what the cops did with this information? Nothing! They just went, yeah, okay. They just have went, no proof that they're missing, despite oh, the fact that my there's gosh. a missing person's report. Except that their family hasn't heard from them for eight weeks. They were supposed to be gone for two weeks. They're, they've been missing for more than a month at this point. And the police, I guess, just write down in the report on secret mission. <laughs> Thank you. What would we do without them? Okay. Three months. Okay. Literally nothing is done. No investigation happens. They do not check, I don't know, flight manifest to New York. They do not try to find out where they were staying. They don't. Uh, they, they just shrug. Jack shit. It's so frustrating. Okay. Three months later. Linda's friend Sue, who is one of the at least one of the people that Linda said that she was going on this trip, received a postcard from France, which read, kind of missed New York. Oops, but this will do. It's so weird. Also, it's I don't know what they said. I was wondering as I was watching this, like that was her handwriting, or at least her friend must have thought it was. Yeah, I don't know. They don't comment on that, and I was wondering that as well. That either this is like guessing from the rest of the story that this is just a passable imitation, or that her friend was really not that familiar with her handwriting. Yeah, maybe. Because she does think that this is fucking weird, but she doesn't say I would think if it was absolutely not her handwriting, you would say that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Another postcard was sent to Linda's mother that was kind of similar. Um, her family was like, if she was planning a trip to Europe, she would have been very excited about that and would have told us. And she, a secret mission, Liz. And she would have just sent us a postcard being like, ended up in France somehow. Hee-haw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, th these are not people that were like regularly gallivanting off to Europe and that, that was to be like no big deal. Oh, we never know where they are. They're these jet setters. No. They're <laughs> um, yeah, super weird. Okay. Um at this point, Dee Dee also filed a missing persons report. It turned out that Dee Dee's secret source, surprise, surprise, everyone, was none other than guest house resident Christopher chichester oh really who had abruptly moved out without leaving a forwarding address so he's no longer feeding Dee, Dee this information that actually they're fine and they're on the secret mission and she goes okay uh now that i think about it this is all really weird she'd also noticed that john's pickup truck was missing but she didn't know exactly how long it had been gone um again the police don't really look into this at all they have two missing persons reports at this point <laughs> for two people both of their families are going whatever happened to them nothing yeah didn't they they were, they were like oh there was no sign of foul play and it's like so, okay but so where are they people get to just completely vanish and their family can, like what what okay shortly after this Dee, Dee sold the house and moved before dying in february of 88 without ever knowing the fate of her son very sad Nine months later, John pickup 
Sean's pickup truck was found 3,000 miles away in Greenwich, Connecticut. A, a man who went by the name Christopher Crow had tried to sell the truck to the son of a local minister who had passed on buying it because it did not have its proper paperwork. When the police in Greenwich looked into this, they've quickly realized that this was actually Christopher Chichester. <laughs> Christopher Crow. Surprise, surprise, not a real name. <laughs> wow. Who'd have thought? And before you go, oh, these Greenwich police seem a little more on the ball, he ran off before they could ask about John and Linda. The case did Great. not resume until the skeleton was discovered in 1994. Whoa. So they disappeared in 1985. And nothing is really done about it for nine years. Cool, 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 cool. Cool, yeah. Anyway, a forensic anthropologist concluded that the bones were consistent with the, the description of John Sohouse. However, lacking dental records prevented a conclusive identification. The cause of death could not be determined by the skeleton. A cop, oh yeah, here we go. A cop tells us that if you find a skeleton cut up, put in different bags and buried, it is probably murder. So... <sighs> Thank you Great. for that insight. Luminol was sprayed on the floor of the guest house and it immediately showed signs for a large amount of blood. And we get now get another mustache. This is Detective Robert's mustache, which I called New Walrus King. <laughs> <laughs> okay. it, was, it, was, it was a big one. Big, right. very walrusy mustache. Okay. Curiously. Okay. So that's really like all we get is the main segment. They fit. They've. It takes them nine years to figure out, oh, yeah, these people were probably murdered. But, and and Christopher Chichester's probably the guy that did it, but we've done nothing about it. Um, the last little twist of the segment is that a woman did eventually show up and ask for Linda's cats. Since they needed homes, the kennel owner gave them over. Who that woman was is completely unknown. This is wild to me. And it wasn't, like, her sister, like... I don't, I mean, they don't, I don't, I think this woman was so happy to get a home for these cats that she did not ask many questions. And then later people were like, so who was that? And she was like, uh, yeah, I, the thing is, I have no idea. <laughs> I was just really happy to get those six cats out of here. Cause that's so wild to me. Yeah. Cause what it makes me think is that Linda and Chichester had a thing going on, killed her oh. husband and then ran off together. Oh, okay. I was not thinking that. So that But is... that's probably but honestly, that's like the movie version of the story because it seems like Linda loved her family and would never just dis I mean her family says she would never just disappear forever and never call and check in. I mean, granted, that could have been what happened and then Chichester killed her. Mm. You know, so like so maybe what's... she did end up murdered just somewhere else where you know they haven't found her body, but it's okay. just weird like because who who went and got those cats yeah yeah presumably they had to pay a shit ton of money to get those cats they've been boarded there for like i don't know how long i think maybe she was just like get them out of here i don't even care anymore well, maybe um okay so that's where this segment originally ended then we get this update it took 20 years for the cops to match the fingerprints of christopher chichester at, well to look at his fingerprints and realize that his name was actually Christian Gerhardt. They never ran the fingerprints? No! Oh my god. <laughs> they didn't... I don't know why it would surprise me that they didn't do the, even the bare minimum, but seriously. 20 years! They found a giant pool of blood! <laughs> 
had been on the floor of where he was living. And they went, yeah, it's probably this guy. And then they just went home. Okay. So he was, I honestly am not really sure how to say his real last name. And he was convicted of of the murder of John Sohouse and sentenced to 27 years to life. Okay. And he never talked about what happened to Linda. No trace of Linda has ever been found. So let's see what the unsolved Mr. Wiki has to say. This is kind of long. Unresolved. In 2008, Christian Carl Gerheitscher, who is Chichester, was finally located and arrested. At the time, he was using the alias Clark Rockefeller. What? What is with this guy? I'm picking the most fakest sounding names ever. Okay, criminals, I'm going to give you a little unsolicited advice. And that's when you need a fake name. I think you should go to the library and find an old yearbook and pick out an actual name. So that you're not going around introducing yourself as Clark Rockefeller because nobody is going to believe you. Hi, I'm Jerry Fake Name. Yeah, it's me, Mark Superman. No. <laughs> okay. He was he was arrested after he abducted his seven-year-old daughter during a custody visit. That's a cool guy. Yeah. Over the years, he had conned friends and even his ex-wife into believing he was part of the wealthy Rockefeller family. Wow, okay. Fingerprints confirmed his true identity. Investigators reopened the Sohouse case after his parental kidnapping trial concluded. He was sentenced to four to five years in state prison for the kidnapping charge and additional time for an assault charge. He refused to cooperate with the police in their investigation of the Sohouse case. In March 2012, 2011 he was charged with john's murder investigators finally located john's birth family which i guess was a complication dna testing from his family members confirmed that the remains in the backyard of the house belonged to him at the time of the trial along with luminol evidence prosecutors had several witnesses testify against chichester multiple neighbors remembered seeing strange colored smoke Coming from his chimney around the time of the murders. What? What does that mean? He had also asked friends about places he could dispose of drums filled with chemicals. Oh, I wonder if that's what happened to Linda. Oh, and this says John's remains were found in a metal drum, which is not what it said in the segment, but maybe that's oh, true. Okay. At, around the time of the murder, he borrowed a chainsaw from a neighbor. And tried to sell a bloodstained rug to a friend. Why would you sell it? <laughs> Doesn't make any, what? Also, you think that when these people went missing, the police might have found this, like, very glaring information. Did like, they talk to literally no neighbors? I don't think they did. I don't think they looked into it at all. I think there weren't any signs of that cell play. fucking doors. Isn't that your job? Home, you would think. Okay. Their neighbors um, would be like, oh, yeah, you tried to sell me a bloodstained rug. What? The guy I lent a chainsaw to? Hmm. Okay. Uh, yes! Oh or my they, God. they could have looked in the guest house and found the loom and all that. They could have run his fingerprints. They could have done so many things. They, they did not bother to. There was a fresh grave in the backyard. Did they look in the backyard? No, clearly not. Because, oh yeah, my God. it would have been. Okay. Um... Oh, right, because now the next sentence is, also around the same time, a friend noticed that the ground near the desk, desk guest house had been dug up. He claimed he was having plumbing problems. However, the same area was where John's body was later found. They could have talked to literally anyone. Yeah. Clearly, like, the whole neighborhood knew something was up. 
They're seeing weird smoke coming out of his house. He's running around with a borrowed chainsaw and then going, hey, do you want to buy this blo- this rug? It's only got a little blood on it. 25 bucks. <laughs> what? Um, oh, okay. Finally, two bags found with John's remains came from two universities that Chichester had attended. This guy could not have been leaving more evidence, really. He should have just signed. He should have put a like note on the body. By the way, it was me. <laughs> on April 10th, 2013. This happened in 85, everybody. Oh in my God. 2013, he was convicted by a Los Angeles jury of first-degree murder for John. He was sentenced to 27 years to life. Sadly, Linda has never been found. However, the police do believe that she was dead and killed around the same time. Okay. I'm wondering if he got like a girlfriend or a family member or something to pick up those cats. I think, but right. he I, he killed them both. Why though? Is, Why though? There is no explanation of murder. I mean, I don't. It doesn't sound like. Okay, the only thing I was a thinking ton of, of sense. I watched that like bad neighbor, worst neighbors ever okay. show yeah, on yeah. Netflix. And there is a woman that was like taking in sort of destitute renters and she would steal their social security checks because oh. you you just have to like, I don't know if this is still true, but you just have to like sign someone as like, I don't even know if you live there, if you, you would even have to do that. You could just probably steal it from the mailbox, especially if this woman is old and not with it and drunk all the time. Yeah. I wonder if he killed them and like collected those checks for a while until the police were snooping around too much and then he bailed or something yeah but like you that. think he would have killed Dee Dee she's the one but that would have been getting checks maybe you still need her maybe you need her alive in order to like get them somehow I have, I have no idea I know I've heard cases of like say a family member dies that was getting social security checks and your family like really depended on that money that people would just like not report that death and keep getting that I'm sh- I'm sure that would not work today but they would just like be like well I guess we're putting grandma in the attic because we need those checks to keep rolling in. right I don't know I don't-, I don't know why he would kill them unless I guess I don't know but I think he's I'm leading towards he's not well but I sicko. Yeah, he's and this is kind of erratic, strange behavior. Um, but uh, yeah, God. And then where is Linda's body? I don't know. Because it it's it's strange. It's not in the same place, and literally no one knows where it is except him, I guess. That's weird. Wild. It's very wild. weird. Yeah. So I kind of wonder if he somehow tricked John and Linda into thinking they got this new job, oh, right there. Yeah. Because why did Linda say that? Right. But they were having some money troubles, right? And they wanted to be able to no longer live with Dee Dee. And I'm guessing Dee Dee needed some, like, level of care. And that's why she was living there, right? So they get this, like, sudden, like, too-good-to-be-true job offer that I think would have, like, you know, kind of turned things around. Maybe he needed Linda to tell her family that she got this job. That she couldn't tell them any details. And so that it would, like, get them off his trail. Well, then it, it gave them this huge lump lump of time before it, anyone even came looking for them, right? Like, no one even considers anything suspicious happened for eight weeks. God. So, yeah, I'm wondering if he, like, impersonated someone on the phone or, like, sent them a letter or something to, like, make them think there was going to be this great job. They tell everybody, oh, we're going to be leaving town. Like, don't worry about us. And they're actually dead. Wild. Yeah, very weird. Very weird. Sad and odd. Okay, moving on to mystery number two. 
(sighs) (laughs) So this is the mystery of the Phantom Submarine. And if you're a dude of a certain age, you might like this mystery. (laughs) As soon as it started, I really was like, oh, poor Samantha. I'm glad I don't don't have this one. I am going to admit something right now which is that mm. i didn't really take notes on this mm-hmm. uh and the unsolved mysteries wiki is very uh short so i've got okay. some other Maybe sources you're... i'm gonna do my best oh, to piece oh. together this story uh from wiki adjacent websites in your defense this was a nothing of a segment it's very short and there is not I a lot understand of how this is even a mystery because you just have to look under the water off the coast of California, that's, is there a submarine there or isn't there? If there's no submarine I, there, then there's then this didn't happen. If there's a submarine there, then it did. It's like very easy to confirm, and yet for some reason we're acting like this is a, a mystery. I did not understand that about the segment, particularly when it ended. I was like, okay, so is it there or not? Like, don't we have fucking satellites? Just like hey, Rob Lowe out there. I don't know. Yeah, get him on that ship that like helped James Film Cameron or whatever it was. <laughs> Get him out there to find out if there's really a... I was like, just go fucking look. Like, I'm sorry, Unsolved Mysteries. Do I have to do everything? Do I have to learn how to scuba dive? (laughs) They're not looking for something small. They're looking for a sunken submarine in the bottom of the ocean. Where's it going to go? You just have to go look for it. (laughs) Unsolved Mysteries, I cannot personally solve all of these mysteries. You need to do, like, a tiny bit of work yourself. Okay? Like... I I cannot be responsible for going into the ocean and finding out if there's a submarine here. <laughs> I'm not a great swimmer. This I'm not the person to do this. Uh, okay, so we're talking about uh, yeah, the whether or not there's a uh, there's a mystery. Su- this is a World War II mystery, our favorite kind of mystery. Uh, so during World War II, between 1944 and 1945, the USS Willard Keith was one of several. United States Navy destroyers patrolling the Pacific coast. One spring morning, it was March 1945, the Willard Keith was on its way down the coast of Catal- of Catalina Island on a routine run. Most of these trips were very fairly mundane and boring. Um, there was really no there, there was no known Japanese submarines operating in the eastern Pacific uh, this late in the war. Um, so the crew expected to find nothing and and they usually didn't find anything um, on these patrols. The patrols were really more of a formality, and they were also used as training. So we meet Bill Anderson, a crew member on board that day. He was 18 years old at the time. Um, And he says that they picked up on sonars, they picked up propeller noise, um, and gave the coordinates to the captain. So basically what they thought they were picking up was an enemy submarine. They weren't sure, obviously, uh, who it was or why there was there was they there was no known like u.s submarine in these waters so the assumption would be that it was an enemy submarine and he says that their captain had been sunk twice and so he wanted to shoot first and ask questions later which (laughs) seems like the opposite of what you should do but whatever i've never been on a (laughs) navy destroyer i don't know um 
So they tossed several depth charges into the water. And was it Bill that was the one that did that? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't ask me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so first, sorry, I need to back up. Bill uh, was skeptical that it was an enemy sub, and he questioned a junior officer about it. However, the officer dismissed his suspicions. Years later, um, the thought that they hit an American submarine still haunts the crewmen of the USS Willard Keith. So they threw the depth charges into the water. There was indeed a big explosion. And then they saw an oil slick. Um, So that told them that they hit something down there. But of course, they had not confirmed whether or not it was an enemy or a friendly Mm, submarine. mm. And so they had no idea uh, who, you know, who it was that they sunk underneath the ocean. Um. I'm pretty sure when they came on board on shore, they were pulled aside and and said to never speak of this again. Sounds above board. Yes. So um, recently, Anderson requested the deck log and the war diary for the ship because he started to question the actions that they took that day. Um, When he received these items, he was surprised to find that there was no record for sinking of a submarine. In fact, there were no records at all of a submarine being hit off the California coast, which doesn't make sense because they saw an oil slick after they tossed the depth charges into the water. Decades later, the crew of the USS Willard Keith believed that the submarine they sank was a U.S. submarine and that the military told them to, the military covered it up. And that's why when they came on shore, they were told not to speak of this ever again. Um, several divers between Santa Barbara and San Francisco have claimed to have seen a sunken submarine, possibly a U-boat in, in the water off the California coast. Um, apparently a salvage expedition is investigating off the coast of San Francisco, um, in order to identify the identity of the mystery sub, but... Hmm hear anything about it i believe bill anderson in oh yeah in 1992 bill anderson and a partner bought a boat and began searching for the submarine themselves however they never found any trace of it and to this day according to unsolved mysteries wiki it remains unsolved and the name of their boat was the echo hunter which i thought was kind of cool that is kind of a, a cool name for a boat so we still don't know if there's a submarine there or not How's that possible? No, apparently they thought that it could be. So they originally thought that the identity of the Japanese sub was the submarine called the I-12, which was a massive submarine, 300 feet long, and had during the last years of the war been involved in missions to conduct independent operations in the Central and Eastern Pacific between Hawaii and California. Um, Apparently it had had some run-ins with some various different boats. I'm trying to see if there's any more information in here. So they thought it was, even though like enemy subs had not really been located in this area, not that far away, there was this um, I-12 submarine. And so they thought, and that's, I think why they fired on it, um, that, you know, this sub that they picked up on sonar could have been it. I honestly think, again, can't we confirm or deny that it's down yeah, there? Yeah, this is still so murky. Well, and like poor Bill Anderson in the episode, he describes this feeling of like, you know, 50 guys or whatever are dying below me, and we didn't even like confirm who they were. <laughs> like, right. so he's haunted by this, and I'm pretty sure like the other crew on the ship was haunted by this. But um, again, I think it should be like easy to confirm or deny whether or not it's there 
Yeah, it's really I don't know. weird. Someone could tell me why I'm wrong, but. Look, I'm just assuming the government doesn't want us to know something. The USS Willard Keith does have this, like, super old website that I found. Hmm. Uh, which I th- is, like, I think the crew, like, they, like, they must get together and have reunions. Well, that's kind of adorable. Well, that didn't clarify anything. Now, <laughs> now I have another wild one. This is an. Can they have a reunion death. coming up in September of 2022? Should we just go to okay. attend their reunion? You must be a member in good standing of the USS Willard Keith Reunion Association. The attached sign-up form with your check for this year's subscrip- subscription of twenty-five dollars. We'll need to pay twenty-five dollars. Okay, but I don't know that they'll let us join. <laughs> Can we go to their <laughs> reunion? Where is this? <laughs> are you just gonna be like, why the hell questions. are you here? It's in October. <laughs> okay, well, right. something, something to consider. I like that you have to send a check. Okay. <laughs> oh, I did have two mustache names from this. There's a lot of mustaches in this episode. So Chet's mustache, I called the aging, aging caterpillar. Okay, I'm really sorry, but I'm still looking at this website. They're apparently going to have a silent auction, and they request that no one bring a white elephant, please. Okay, well, fair. (laughs) Clearly, people have not followed directions in the past and have brought gag gifts for the silent auction. So get your shit together. What do you think's at the silent auction? Do you think we want any of it? Yeah. Is there anything cool? I don't know. I really want to know, though. I do, too. (laughs) We should write in and say, like, can we bid on any of these items? <laughs> Has anybody made, like, a quilt or something? Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> what, what are we talking about here? Are there any homemade jams? <sighs> so funny. It's okay. going to be on, a like, a ferry. Obviously, it's going to be on a boat. That makes sense. Okay, yeah, I guess. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we know what we're doing. Our I'm more interested in this reunion than I was the actual mystery. <laughs> I apologize. It does sound more interesting. Uh, okay, so we have the aging, aging caterpillar for one mustache. And then someone named Bill had a mustache. Oh, yeah, Bill Anderson. He had a mustache, and his mustache is named Lip Exposure for All. <laughs> okay. Lip Look, Exposure for All. If you haven't listened to this podcast before, we do name the mustaches that come out, but it's it, i'm more like a conduit i'm just pulling yeah. the names from the ether You're i can't right. i can't help with their name so what that name is yeah it's lip exposure for all i don't know can't explain it okay so now let's talk about this very weird unexplained death and this is from um cook county illinois okay so this is the case of police captain michael omera um who worked for the cook county sheriff's department so um, Chicago is within Cook County, but the county is bigger, obviously. So he was working for the county, opposed to the Chicago PD. Um, Robert Stack refers to him as the straightest of straight arrows, which... <laughs> okay. I, all right. Okay. He had a family, and he was the only local cop that had been trained at the FBI Academy. In the 60s, he was known for taking on the mob, so he made a name for himself and uh, had a prestigious career uh, for that. But by 1988, when this story takes place, he was working a desk job in the records department. He was kind of, you know... Um, Getting ready for retirement. Uh, On May 30th, 1988, after 9 p.m., a patrolman pulled into the police service area to gas up his vehicle when he found an unmarked police car at the pumps, but no officer in sight. 
So they show this in the reenactment, and it does look really weird. Like, someone has pulled up to their car, they've gotten the gas nozzle, they've put it in the car, and then they just, like, pieced out. Yeah. So he pulls up to gas up his car, and he was like, where is the person this car belongs to? <laughs> Why did they just leave it here, like, in the middle of gassing up? Um, so that guy takes a look around and eventually finds Michael O'Mara's body slumped over a rock in the middle of a lawn. So it's just like part of the grounds of the service area, but it's not even like within sight of the gas pumps. They just had this like large, if the reenactment is close, it's just like a large cut grass area that has this like one boulder and then his body is just slumped over it. It's yeah. Anyway, that's weird. Yeah. He had been shot once in the head. Neither his wallet nor briefcase had been taken. His gun was found on the right side of the body near his right hand, as well as his flashlight. So the question was, and I was surprised that this was the question, <laughs> was this murder or did he take his own life? Because you're looking at this reenactment of a, a fake dead guy slumped over a rock <laughs> and you go, that's murder. He's a cop. I'm sure he has lots of enemies. Um, people who kill themselves don't usually start gassing up a car and then wander away. <laughs> and decide, now take- is the time. And then take their own life in this, like, super uncomfortable. I don't... Like... No. What? Um, yes. It's- what? <laughs> and so I was very surprised that that's why it was unexplained. I was thought it was going to be unexplained, like, who did it? Is this police corruption? Like, you know, a thick question that would make sense. But the question <laughs> instead was, did this man take his own life? And then you're like, obviously no. Just like... <laughs> Look, unless we have a head in a bag, it's not for sure murder. And even then... We can only speculate that it's probably murder. So at this point in the segment, I was real confused. Uh, we learned that two weeks later, after an autopsy, the coroner officially ruled the death as suicide. His friends and family, who are not stupid, were convinced it was murder. <laughs> the last person to see him alive was his wife, Barbara, who says he left the house that night in good spirits. Honestly, if this little story doesn't convince you that he didn't kill himself, I don't know what would. Because he said, like, oh, hey, it was, you know, the evening. He had to go fill up his car. But he said he would get frozen yogurt on the way back home and asked everybody at the house what flavor they wanted. I just, I know that suicidal thoughts can be very sudden and very um, powerful. And I don't think that we really understand that that well. But I still don't think that before killing yourself you would take like a large frozen yogurt order and then just like not like he borrows cash from his wife to pay for like oh he was gonna get the yogurt and they made a big deal about how much he loved yogurt (laughs) which is just kind of adorable so Um, he wasn't gonna go out without eating his yogurt first i'm just picturing this guy leaving the house going frozen yogurt frozen yogurt frozen yogurt like he's like talking everyone into it he's like oh i'll pick it up for you and they're like (laughs) Michael, we know you just want frozen yogurt. It's okay. <laughs> frozen yogurt? Frozen yogurt? I understand. Honestly, I understand. Yeah. Um. So guess what? His wife was like, yeah, no. That's not... He did not kill himself. This makes no sense. So his wife hired a specialist, Dr. DeMaio, to review the case, and he immediately agreed that it was suspicious. Because why would he ask for money before leaving the house? And why would he leave his car with a gas novel? Why would it be slumped over a rock? Why, why would he pick right there? So weird. Okay. So Dr. DeMaio... Is he shot with his own gun? Wait, what was his cause of death? Yes. He is shot with his own gun. Okay. Um, But, I think this is somewhere in my notes, it's not 
pressed to his head. It's like two to four inches away. Also, not something you <laughs> like. If you and I think it's in his forehead. Like if you think of someone in I don't know, like a movie raising their gun to their temple because they're gonna kill themselves or are threatening to kill themselves, that nozzle is right to the temple, right? And then and you, you get don't hold it a foot away <laughs> because you could miss. <laughs> yes, raise. Yeah, yes. No, you or if you actually want to die, you don't want to like take off part of your ear or like yeah, graze the top of your head or something. You want it to go into your brain, which might not even necessarily kill you. But you wouldn't hold it out. No. 2 to 4 <laughs> inches away. No. And then you just like and then aim it at your forehead so you're kind of looking down the barrel no what okay so um what dr DeMaio believes happens is that michael was filling up his car when he heard something odd so he grabbed his gun and briefcase and went to investigate he found people or multiple people in this field who ended up taking his gun and shooting him um however the police department that investigated this which I feel really okay if I take this on face value that this guy was a good cop. I look, I don't know. Was he about to expose some corruption or something? That is my theory. And um, because when this is investigated, they are so determined that this is suicide, despite the fact that he's put in like this long, good career with the sheriff's department. And you think they would be more concerned about one of their own dying? In a pretty suspicious manner, yes. Yeah, so I just feel really bad for his family that probably, like, I don't, like, respected the police department and, you know, thought that he had had, like, this this good career and had done all this good. And then when it he dies, they're like, yeah, I don't know. He probably killed himself. Like, they don't do anything. <laughs> they don't help after all those years of service. It's really frustrating for them, I'm sure. Like... Because, okay, now we hear from somebody at the police department that wants you to know that while people heard the shot, no one heard cries for help or anything unusual. And there's no evidence that anyone else was there. There were no signs of a struggle. And I'm like, actually leaving your car with a gas nozzle still in it, to me, seems like a sign of a struggle. Yeah. Do you Being have to- dead on a rock. <laughs> it's a sign to- of a struggle. Do you have to, like, literally knock over a chair before it's a sign of a, like... It's weird. It's so suspicious. And they're like, look, someone would have heard something. I don't know. It's just not usually the way cops talk when a cop has died. And I find that very weird. That alone is suspicious. Yes. And one of the cops telling us this has a cop mustache and his is named the Rat Bastard. (laughs) Appropriate. I don't trust him at all. And Robert Stack wants to know, but who had motive to kill this man? And I was like, uh, probably a lot of people that he arrested. Yep. But I actually am leaning towards you. I think that if let's say that this guy really is like a by the books, straightest of the straight arrows guy. <laughs> he's now working in the records department. I think he just found something. Yeah. If he if he was actually like honorable, I bet he was gonna get people in trouble. And guess what most cops not honorable at all so (laughs) it's not a stretch okay so i'm kind of wondering if they are more than happy to band together because they're all corrupt and cover up this murder rather than i don't know admit they stole drugs from the property room or who knows right like it could be something just simple like that like they pocketed money or they were on the take or whatever Mm -hmm. if he actually was 
honest, that could have been a problem for him. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, this is when they talk about how the gun is like not even pointed to his head. And then the okay, this I also found really suspicious is that they were like, well, so the gun wasn't pointed directly at his head like a suicide would be. However, he taught classes about homicide scenes and he would have known that. So he could have faked it. Why, bitch? <laughs> Why? <laughs> what? Why would he want to kill himself but also not see, want people to know? The reason that it looks like a homicide is because, see, it was actually a suicide, but he wanted it to look like a homicide. Why? It, uh, now Reasons. we get we get another cop mustache that I called the deep unsettlement because <laughs> I don't. It was like very pale. I didn't like it at I all. Don't remember any of these mustaches? <laughs> oh wow. Um, we hear from a bunch of people in this guy's community about like how he was a good guy, and even his priest thinks that it's a police cover up. <laughs> so that's something to think about. Um, I also kind of well. God, I should have taken better notes about who we're hearing from. If it's in the sheriff's department, I assume it's it's his own department um, investigating this. But and I don't know anything about the Cook County Sheriff's Department. But I mean, the Chicago PD is like one of the most evil organizations that's ever <laughs> existed. They literally had a black site for torturing people. I looked that up. That just apparently didn't start until the 90s. So okay. it's not related to that. I was like, well, maybe he knew they were torturing people. But that hadn't had it happened at least there yet. I'm sure they were already doing all sorts of stuff. But it is interesting to hear an actual priest go, yeah, this was the cops. You're like, oh, all right. Well, okay. Um, Yeah, I I, I think it's a corruption thing. The whole fit, the whole town seems to think it was a corruption thing, but there is no justice for Michael O'Mara. All right. Well, dang. Yeah. Okay. Well, we got a lost love next. So I did have the submarine mystery, but I got a lost love. So it all works out. All is forgiven. So this is a lost siblings case. Um, in 1948, a family tragedy began to unfold just north of Tipton, Oklahoma. Hmm. So Roy Lee and Leela Stallings had six children. 12-year-old Roy Jr., 10-year-old Mary Esther, 9-year-old Michael Joseph, who is called Joe, 6-year-old Ernest Lee, who they call Ernie, so cute, 4-year-old um, David Ray, and 2-year-old Norma Ruth. They existed on what Robert Stack calls the edge of abject poverty. I'm going to say they were um, like no. in the middle of it because they were living in a school bus in the woods. What is what is abject poverty if not that? <laughs> I don't know. Six children that can they're barely getting by. You're living in yeah, literally a school bus in the woods. The the, the husband is like going off to hunt for food and the kids are like scavenging. Yeah, he, so Roy Lee worked sporadically, but basically any so he was like a sharecropper, I guess, but any money he made, he just gambled away. So basically they had no no money whatsoever. Uh, what so, a uh, hard life. Yeah, uh, yeah. Was, I can't even imagine. Can, can Robert Stack even fathom? No. Six, <laughs> six children in a school bus. They were referring to the 10-year-old as like a second mother, which is depressing as hell. Because the 10-year-old had to take care of, like, help take care of all the younger ones. Right. Oh, my God. 
I'm yeah. so tired just even thinking about it. Seriously. So Joe recalls that Roy, his father, um, was, quote, fatherly in his own way. Uh, he did try to make a living for the family, but he wasn't really ever home with them. And, yeah, he had a, a gambling problem. So Leela, he, uh, Layla, sorry, um, he describes as a uh, disciplinarian, but she was always there and she worked hard and she kept them together as a family and she provided for them despite their uh, dire Oof. circumstances. She cooked Oof. the food. Um, she you, she kept a, a clean living area for them. Um, she did the best she could in like really shitty circumstances. Right. It just shows that people have like so much more will to live than I do. <laughs> And I don't mean that as like a cry for help. It's just that I cannot imagine doing six, this every day. Six kids. It's like, well, I better clean our rusted out school bus. So well, you have to figure out how to feed them. You have no money. It's just like, oh. And yeah. despite of these insurmountable odds, uh, Layla maintained a home life that was as normal as possible. Mary recalls that they always had something to do. They had toys and each other to play with. Um, they didn't think of themselves as being any different. Um, Layla, uh, Layla could neither read nor write, but she had her Bible and it meant a lot to her. And she would tell the kids Bible stories every night. Um, she also uh, would use pictures in the Bible to sit down and have family time and tell stories. And it was just really sweet. And they were all together. Um, they, they, The children describe growing up with a very direct sense of what was right and what was wrong. And they were all very close with each other. Because basically, that's all they had. They had each other. Right. Um, Joe was a big brother and role model to Ernest. Mary was a second mother to her siblings. Uh, to the children, the old school bus was home, and it was a haven and a safe place. But to others, nor notably this asshole Melvin Purdy. Yeah, what is Melvin's problem? I don't know. They describe as a, him as a family friend, but I, this isn't very friendly behavior. Family enemy, more like. Yeah, so Robert Stack said that he had different ideas. He did not hesitate to make his feelings about their situation known to, to Layla. He felt that the school bus was not a good place for children to live, and he believed that um, they should be uh, split up. He, like, demanded to take only one of the children. I forget which one. I think, oh, David. Uh, he wanted to raise David for some reason, the youngest boy. It's, but it's all the other children, uh, he's very creepy. He did not care where they went. It's extremely creepy. Yeah, before you like well a old abandoned school bus is not a great place to raise children i agree with melvin except that melvin just wanted to take the youngest boy for himself for some reason i didn't really care what happened to the other children yeah it's very creepy rumbling not good not good and so melvin would just show up and like scream at layla like just demanding like give me david yeah, like what? <laughs> what? She's like, ah, uh, that's my son. Like, no You're way in hell. Who a kid? Like, what? Get out of here. Yeah. Get so <laughs> creep. So weird. So he's just trying to take advantage of her poverty because obviously she's worried about the authorities coming and taking the children away. So he feels like he can hold that over her and then absolutely literally steal one of her kids. Yeah. 
Yeah. Melvin, I hope you're rotting in hell. Creepy. So unfortunately, a few weeks later, there's a big confrontation. Uh, Melvin and, and Layla screaming at each other. She told him to leave. Um, unfortunately, uh, a few weeks later, the school bus was taken away because apparently Roy Lee lost it in a poker game. Roy. 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 So, Melvin, <laughs> not, not along okay. with... Not okay, Roy. Not yeah, okay. Yeah. You, need, so I... you needed that school bus. Yeah, so... <laughs> There's the sad, maybe one of the saddest reenactments, which is just like where the school bus used to be was just a pile of their things. Yeah. So that's sad. And then apparently, and apparently other people in the area contacted the authorities. Roy Lee. So this is horrible. Roy Lee and Lee and Layla were handcuffed and brought to court and charged with quote omitting to provide for the care of minor children. And they were, like, sent to fucking jail. Yeah, what's so frustrating about all of these stories, and I feel like it's something that could still potentially happen, is the state will be like, you don't have money to care for these children. We're taking them away. We're also giving someone else money to care for them. And you're like, I'm sorry. If the problem is that there's not money to take care of the children, you could give the money to the parents. Yeah, they could stay with their family. Yeah, they could be together instead of split up, which is obviously what happened to these children. So in court, Roy Lee and Layla uh, pleaded not guilty. The judge ordered them to be held in jail pending trial, and the children were placed in the care of the Child Welfare Department. Also, the children were in court that day, so they got to see their mom and dad handcuffed, marched in front of a judge, and then taken off to jail. And then they were all sent to separate foster homes. So it's great. Wow. Love it. What a great solution to this problem. Yeah. Mary remembers seeing Roy Lee and Leela placed in handcuffs and taken out a side door. Mary says that it was very strange to see her parents taken away like that. Of course. Like, so traumatic and terrible. Yeah, because I, you know, so they they weren't in good circumstances, whatever. But they were all together, and they were all happy, and they had each other, and they were all very close. And now, these poor kids have no idea their their parents are being taken away, and they don't even get to stay with their siblings. No, so especially next- like the only I don't think they were going to school. These are like the only people they know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so over the next few days, the children were all taken to foster homes. Mary vividly remembers the last time she saw her three youngest siblings because she had to like help carry them to the car and they were one by one put uh, into the social worker's car. She was told to go inside and they drove off and she never saw them again. It would be really nice if we could like provide housing for people. I know yeah. it's like a super weird idea, but so sad so uh, she rem- and what's worse is that because she was helping carry them to the car she was holding Ernest, and she her last memory of her youngest siblings was she told Ernest to get into the car and then they <laughs> they took them all away so, oh, so traumatizing. yeah yeah oh and I'm sorry, I missed part of it. So she told Ernest to get into the car. Then she helped put David in the car. And then Norma, who was the youngest, wouldn't let her go. And the social worker had to pull her from Mary's arms and put her in the car. Why? She remembers Ernie pulling at the windows in an attempt to get them open. She waved goodbye as they were driven off. That's fucking heartbreaking. It's 
honestly horrible. And how old was Mary at the time? She was nine. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so great. No. So within a week, the charges against Roy Lee and Layla were dropped, but the damage had already been done. Layla was told that all of her children, except the oldest, Roy Jr., had been put up for adoption. Two years later, after Roy Lee and, Leela, and Layla got divorced, uh, Mary was allowed to go home and live with her mother, and Joe, who was adopted by the Dillahunty family, was reunited with Layla and Mary in 1959 sadly layla passed away in 1989 mary and joe still desperately want to be reunited with their brother brothers and sister mary says that they have never given up hope that their siblings are still alive and that they will be able to find them so basically the oldest three were reunited but the youngest three are still missing they don't know what whatever happened to them yeah we see that a lot in these cases because the youngest siblings obviously have the least formed memories and it's gonna be harder like they can't really reach out as much to find their right. older siblings so they might not really remember anything from that time right um god it's so sad uh, yeah so fortunately this is solved and there's a reunion so the day after the broadcast 35 years of frustration began to come to an end for Joe and Mary. A man named Lee Schwelin of Owasso, Oklahoma, called the telecenter. He identified himself as Ernest, who was only six when the family was split apart. He remembered his siblings and the fact that they lived in a school bus by the river. He was thrilled to hear that Joe and Mary were looking for him and was anxious to meet them. Aww. Three weeks later, he arrived at a hotel in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where he was reunited with Joe. The brothers had not seen each other in nearly half a century. They have kind of an awkward hug on camera, but it's still it's very sweet. pretty awkward. <laughs> I get it. I get it. And it's, the camera being there does not help. Not. But, um, you know, I've seen warmer hugs. <laughs> I definitely have. Uh, but they were still, I mean, uh, they, it was still sweet and they were very happy to see each other. So Joe says that it was wonderful feeling to find him. Lee says this is Ernest, that he was not sure how he was going to react since he did not seen Joe for so many years. Um, but he said he felt a lot better than he thought he would. He says that um, it felt very good to meet. That day, the two made plans to get together again to go fishing. Hmm. Joe says that they have a future ahead of them to be together and to enjoy each other's company. Um, sadly, Mary was unable to attend the reunion. However, she was able to speak to Lee on the phone and they have since reunited for Joe being reunited with Lee slash Ernest added one more piece to the family puzzle. Um, but we're told that three more siblings, David, Norma and Roy Jr. are still missing. Joe, Mary and Ernest eventually located David, who was now called David Perkins. They also located Norma, who now goes by D. Alexander. They had been adopted by the same family. Um, and they also learned that Roy Jr. unfortunately passed away several years earlier. Ugh. Oh, sadly, Joe passed away in 2021 in August. Oh, well, at the age of 81. They were re reunited first. God. Mm. I hate it. <sighs> yeah. That's a really sad one. It's so sad. That's almost orphan train level. Kind of. I mm. really liked uh, Joe's uh, shirt in the reunion. It's like a Western oh, shirt yeah. with wolves on it. <laughs> on it. It's great. That you can see a picture sweet. on the Unsolved Mysteries wiki. Uh, it was definitely, you know, his. he wore his, his best shirt. 
to be on TV. I mean, as you should. You yeah. should definitely. If you get a chance to be on Unsolved Mysteries, please wear that shirt or a similar <laughs> shirt. Or like a t shirt of a howling wolf you got at a gas station would also be a good pick. <laughs> oh, that's such a sad note to end on, but now it's time to rate this episode. Okay. Well, this is a mixed bag because I hate it. Really I is. hated the submarine one. But it's so but honestly, short. all the other mysteries were pretty good. Yeah, we do get an unnecessary update. That's a little bit of a bummer. Yeah. Um fortunately, no, yeah, baby girl X. But fortunately, that submarine thing is like you blink and you miss it. Yeah. So God, three and a half? What do you think? I think that's fair. It yeah, can't it's... be a four with that submarine mystery in there, but <laughs> three and a half is fair. Yeah, maybe if it didn't have the unnecessary update, I would have bumped it up. But yeah. um, but there are some good mysteries here, particularly that first one. Wild. I can't believe I'd never heard about that before. Yeah. Very weird case. Um, yeah, we got an unsolved, we get a lost love. So yeah, yeah. Um, I think three and a half is is pretty good. I've realized that we've stopped like declaring an MVM ever. <laughs> I just name the mustaches and then we like move on with our lives. But... We also skipped to the rating and didn't do our thumbs up and thumbs down, which is you know it's fine. We could. Oh yeah. Okay. We don't have so... to do that. <laughs> no, let's do it. Sorry. I don't know how my own show works. Um. Seriousness so is our first category. Okay. Honestly, pretty mysterious. Oh Some... yeah. Somehow we don't even know if that fucking submarine is still there. So there's a mystery, I guess. Yeah. Um, why did, where is Linda's body? And why did no one bother to investigate Christopher Chichester for 20 years? <laughs> Just a real remarkable case of police laziness. Um, no, it's a lot of weird stuff going on in this episode. So thumbs up for mysteriousness. Up. Reenactments? I mean, decent. Oh, that one of the boss is so sad. So sad. <laughs> so sad. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Sideways. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Other than the 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 loft love reenactments go from very sweet to uh, you want to die. So <laughs> I don't know how to read that. And then the rest of the episode, they're just kind of standard. Yeah, know. and I don't know about fashion. I feel like, I mean, Joe has that sweet, but there's nothing shirt, else. There's nothing else. That's, that's really carrying the episode. Yeah, sideways oh, no. again. Oh, you were gonna do sideways as generous. I, that's how good that shirt is. Okay, you're right. <laughs> and then and there are a lot of mustaches also, which I feel like could bump it up to sideways. Um, even though a lot of them, I did not like. There's a lot of cop mustaches and a lot of unsettling mustaches. In <laughs> but I suppose that's always the case. So yeah. I think sideways, yeah, for yeah, fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have an MBM? No. Honestly, I wrote down these names. I barely remember what those mustaches look like. Fair. I guess we'll go with the King Walrus one. What okay. was that one? All right. New Walrus King. <laughs> was there? That implies the existence of the old Walrus King. <laughs> Well, I know we had some sort of walrus stash years ago. I don't think it was Walrus King, but that's no. fine. <laughs> but there's a new Walrus King on this on the streets. <laughs> okay, yes, 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 yes. Uh, that's going to be the MVM, I say. And All we're right. going to give it a three and a half. So if anybody's still keeping those stats, <laughs> that's where this episode is. Three and a half. 
those were the thumbs were and the mvm is the new walrus king do i have to think of a recommendation now (laughs) honestly i do not have i've been sitting here this whole episode (laughs) barely listening to you just looking like a child just looking around this room like is there anything i can recommend I've what about nothing. what about i'm just like looking at books like was that good i pulled up yeah. my good i've got jack shit so my recommendation is basics are you getting enough water okay. are you are, are you, you getting, getting enough hot fudge <laughs> are you getting your doctor allotted amount of hot fudge for the day <laughs> are you getting enough sleep are you getting taking naps are you wearing sunscreen like mm. i feel like it's a very hard time and you just got to make sure you're actually like not self-care as in like oh, i'm gonna put on a seat mask and watch tv like are you actually taking, taking care, care of, of yourself, yourself? <laughs> are you actually making you eat, making sure you like eat a meal instead of just like shove a granola bar in your face which yeah. is the sort of thing i do don't do that actually like you know get eight hours of sleep a night eat a a vegetable i'm gonna my recommendation is i second your recommendation eat a vegetable yeah eat a eat a just you know like one just like start somewhere (laughs) you know buy a fucking pre-made salad at the store it's fine just like just you know god it's i feel like it's just been such a chaotic and tiring time yes but you know yeah are, are you taking your medicine are you like those sort of things. Check in with that. Because I feel like even that is like hard at this point. <laughs> yeah. What a, a dull, depressing, but useful recommendation. <laughs> Hydrate. Get some food. I'm worried about you five listeners. Remember, seltzer is water. Yeah, it is. So drink some polar. <laughs> I saw someone trying to like, I don't know what you call it but like making fun of Lacroix because it's just michigan tap water it's not like from a spring and i was like i don't care is it yeah, bad not for me a concern of mine. <laughs> i was like it's well first of all it's flavored <laughs> <laughs> i'm not just drinking what like okay yeah i guess i'm drinking i was well, like would I- they rather have it be stolen from a community <laughs> in another country i, I guess because it's not spring water they're like okay, it's just michigan fine. tap That's water a scam anyway i was like yeah i'm not really worried about that actually is it flavor will i drink it i will okay that's a that's fine (laughs) will my body get liquids great okay i sort of assume all bottled water is just tap water somewhere right yes it's not coming from lords no (laughs) it's not from a magical healing spring what now you tell me anyway well god what was that i recently had such a good polar water oh the coconut limeade yeah. oh you really if liked you, that one i haven't been you able can, to find it if you can find that folks try there's a recommendation i'm not a big down. fan of lime but i will try it i like coconut it's very i found it very refreshing like like almost unbelievably good <laughs> <laughs> i was like what okay wow um I guess we're just gonna are we gonna actually remember to plug stuff oh yeah 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 we probably probably should um we have a patreon yeah we just recorded finally 
<laughs> our coverage of the best show on television. No, not on some mysteries. Canada's worst handyman. Samantha's literal favorite show. <laughs> and we had everybody's voice crush Mac on because he also loves that show. Yeah. And it was the a good time. He told me about Canada's worst handyman. So obviously we had to invite Mac. <laughs> On to talk so you can get instant access to that episode as well as over 50 other bonus episodes if you could give us just one dollar come on town. do it there's do also a few it. more tiers you can give us some more money get some other stuff it's, it's cool you're you're yeah. gonna want it you're gonna want it um we're on social media yeah there's all that stuff at perhaps it's you you could send us a spooky story we would love it if you Whoa. would send us a spooky story at this point make something up i don't care uh perhaps it's you <laughs> podcast at gmail.com <laughs> yeah absolutely if you write like a really good yarn that's that's fine too we're gonna believe um, it we're gonna tell it as if it's true so <laughs> yes um and yeah we have social media we have uh very lovely people in our facebook group you could also you download wanna... repod oh uh, I, I think yeah i think you should you're gonna wanna there you can join the repod community interact with us there it's a nice way to listen to podcasts because you can comment on specific moments in the podcast and you can also post little clips, which I think is cool. It seems to be an underutilized feature on that app. I want people to start making little clips of the obviously brilliant and hilarious stuff that we say. It's something I, I've said this before. I wish was a thing in the beginning because there's so many times people will say quote, like will quote us. I don't remember saying any of this. Yeah, I'll be like, that's really funny. That came out of me. I don't remember saying that whatsoever. So I wish, I wish that Repod had been around from the beginning. But you know, it's never too late. So uh, join that. Yeah, find the funniest thing we said in this episode. Make a little clip of it. Um, you know, I feel like that's everything, right? I must be. If not, who cares? <laughs> Exactly. So keep barking, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.